And welcome once again to another edition of A Plain Answer here at Redeemer Broadcasting. I'm Dan Elmendorf. On the phone line with us today is Dr. Daniel O'Neill. He practices family medicine. He's a hospitalist. He's also managing editor for the Christian Journal for Global Health and assistant clinical professor of family medicine at the University of Connecticut School of Medicine. Uh, Dr. O'Neill, it's an honor to have you on with us today. I'm glad to be with you. You do a, a lot of work in medicine, and you also have an interest in helping people around the world. We hear a lot today about health care and insurance <laughs> and uh, different programs. Um, you suggested that we talk about something very interesting to me, and that is redeeming health care practice according to Jesus. Uh, wonderful topic, and I'm wondering if you could get us started on that now. Sure. Well, I've uh, been practicing uh, medicine now in Northeast Connecticut uh, for about 20 years, um, but I've also been a Christian for about 30 years this summer. Um, and so I've, in interacting in my practice and with uh, our system, I've seen changes over time. Um, but I think currently we can all agree there's a broken system that we're dealing with. And like all systems, human devised systems, uh, they were you know, they're basically designed for human flourishing. Uh, but like all systems, it often ends up constraining human flourishing instead of promoting it. Um, um, even though the intentions are, there's well-intentioned uh, meaning to uh, health care, uh, there's, you know, some degree of corruption and um, uh, it's become more widely available in our country, um, maybe not so much in other countries, uh, but at great cost, and that makes it uh, difficult for access. So, um, yeah, definitely a broken system, and, um, you know, I deal with it every day, and yet there's still a great deal of uh, joy that comes from uh, uh, practicing medicine. Um, so there's several several things uh, that I think I've kind of understood to be uh, a description of some of those things that make it broken. Uh, if you'd like me to go through those, I can do that. Yeah, sure. Absolutely. Well, first I think is the, uh, I call it atomization, uh, and it's because of our reductionist uh, healthcare training, where we kind of break things down into their reductionist parts. Um, and that leads to the second uh, problem has been, has been specialization over the years um, that uh, many physicians, at least in our profession, have uh, specialized and it made it more difficult to access primary care. Um, and specialization kind of comes with reductionist uh, atomization thinking. Um, the, the next problem, I think, is secularization, uh, where even though healthcare has been at its root uh, a Christian, a Judeo-Christian endeavor from the very beginning, um, it has been secularized uh, and also um, scientific uh, yeah, thinking, reductionist thinking has uh, sort of uh, pushed out the spiritual aspects in many ways. And the next is uh, the commodification, uh, which would be making uh, health care more of a business than a, than a service. Uh, and, that, and that the power brokers have been uh, those who have uh, been uh, more interested in making money as opposed to, to caring and service. Mm. Uh, and finally is the depersonalization. Um, and I've seen this that uh, uh, patients uh, can be looked at as either uh, 
objects of uh, uh, of my own personal gain, or they could be uh, uh, obstacles to my pleasure and more uh, bodies instead of uh, human souls. And so there's a depersonalization, which I think is something we experience in, in America and elsewhere. These really hit the nail on the head and, and, and captures a lot of the concerns I think many of us have. Uh, we do often feel like um, you go to your doctor's office and, you know, 80% of the time is the doctor typing stuff into a database looking at the laptop and you say, what has happened to healthcare such that it has has become this? And I don't think the doctor is at fault, but they're trying to work within this um, highly bureaucratized system mm-hmm. and fill out all the forms and insurance. And Well, tell us now, um, now that you've described the atomization aspect, what does uh, healthcare look like when it becomes redeemed um, through the gospel? Mm-hmm. Well, I think it first starts with uh, uh, looking, I think, at patients as stories uh, to be heard instead of uh, data to be managed, um, that everybody has a story. And so appropriating that story and entering the story of the patient, the narrative of the patient is important. And I think Jesus did that very well, and I'll, I'll describe that in a minute. Uh, but I think the biggest thing is to put health and care back into health care, because I think health and care have been uh, compromised when it comes to healthcare. So, as a Christ follower, I think Jesus gives us a pattern to redeem the broken system. Uh, as I've studied this through seminary, because mm. uh, I graduated from seminary last year with a master's degree, and um, so and that's been a special emphasis of mine because of my profession. Uh, the idea of God as healer. So, um, according to Jesus, um, Jesus said, peace I leave you, I, uh, my peace I give you, I do not give as the world gives, in John fourteen twenty seven. 27. Uh, so there's uh, this idea of, of the Hebrew word shalom uh, is a very important aspect of what God desires from us and what we can uh, give to other people uh, through peacemaking. Um, so that description that Jesus gave of shalom um, I think bringing back into healthcare holism, um, uh, looking at the whole human being as a complete, you know, not just the reductionist parts, their aspects of the human being being the body, mind, soul, and spirit, but also uh, some of the four areas of relationships we have with ourselves, with our social community, that horizontal relationship with people, and then the environmental uh, connection we have with the earth, and then the, our spiritual relationship, the the vertical relationship we have with, with God, the Creator. Uh, when those things are disrupted, then uh, health is lacking. Uh, so again, it's more than just the absence of disease, but it's a disruption of relationship that, uh, that affects us and that, that needs to be redeemed. Some people may not realize how important the spiritual aspect is. Mm-hmm. Um, can you delve into that a little bit more, and how would that have a, have a feedback effect, as it were, to our physical body? Well, I think when we were created, we were when God breathed life into Adam uh, from the dust of the earth. So we are made of dust, but we are special dust because of the living, breathing God that created us in his image and likeness. So uh, Christ himself, as the incarnate Son of God, uh, was the fullness of deity in bodily form, um, but he was also uh, spirit and, um, uh, in a sense, uh, understanding that we are spiritual beings uh, and more than just uh, clay uh, is very important. And um, 
And I think that there's a longing within patients that we see for uh, some discussion and understanding of spirituality. Uh, unfortunately, you know, spirituality has sort of uh, uh, been vague and nonspecific. Um, about 80% of patients are asking for uh, discussion about spirituality, but most clinicians and physicians and nurses are unwilling to talk about it because they've been told that it's off limits, um, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah, it is. It, re- it really is. Mm. In our area of New York State, where where we're located, uh, there used to be a hospital that was um, Catholic. Uh, I, I'm Protestant, but it was a wonderful hospital, and you know, care was given in the name of Christ. Mm-hmm. And um, I don't know what happened exactly, but hospitals merged, and you know, they kind of lost that spiritual characteristic of caring for the patient as mm-hmm. Christ would care for him or her. And uh, I always felt kind of bad about that. And are there still hospitals around that are explicitly Christian hospitals, do you know? Um, there are some. Uh, I just uh, came back from Duke University. Um, as I went to a, a conference down there on um, practicing God's presence. And they have, uh, uh, they have an integration between their health uh, system and their uh, school of theology. Uh, so there's still some uh, some integration there. Most hospitals have chaplains, but there's not as much integration, if you will, unless it's a Christian hospital, which I experience a lot in other countries where uh, mission hospitals are explicitly uh, try to integrate the, the spirit and the body care. Mm-hmm. Now, as you work, and you have worked overseas, right? Mm-hmm. Um, as you work yep. overseas, um, I, I'm just guessing, I just have a hunch that... that because of less bureaucracy, you can actually do more and experience uh, your true calling, as it were. Compared to uh, all the rules and regulations and codes and insurance and forms and laptops that a doctor has to deal with here and finally get to giving true health care, um, I'm thinking maybe an emissions opportunity, uh, it's a lot more direct health care with less uh, uh, peripheral distractions. Uh, there is because it's less developed. Um, you know, we have more data management systems and organization uh, that sometimes gets in the way of the interpersonal relationship. Um, you know, that's part of the what needs to be restored is that personal touch. Yes. So that uh, tends to be a little bit easier in a in a uh, mission setting because you don't have so many technical distractions. That's true. Yeah. Uh, but the other is, uh, you know, um, I think the electronic medical records. I find not necessarily the enemy. Uh, I think, that, but they can be co-opted into into entering the patient's narrative um, and making it personal. It can be personalized. Uh, it's not just about the data. The data does matter, and it does help us to uh, to help the patient um, having that data available um, uh, and sharing that. So I wouldn't look at that as a, uh, as an evil. Uh, but something that can be distracting if we remove the patient's narrative and, and it becomes depersonalized. Ah, that's very helpful. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, we we want to use as much technology as we can that will help us uh, achieve the goal. Um, now, you, you've been in medicine for some time now. Uh, what about young people that are being trained, uh, let's say homeschoolers, and then they're going to go out to college and maybe to medical school, any advice for young people that are considering going into medicine? Well, I think, uh, you know, the aspect of care is so important. Um, and I think if you lose that, you lose 
the soul of medicine. Um, so you can have, even you can have health, you can cure disease, but if you don't care, then I think you lose the whole point of uh, what Jesus calls us to. Um, people don't uh, don't care how much you know and, unless they know how much you care. Yes. Uh, so if care can be restored, um, part of that is paying careful attention to those we treat. Uh, it's using discernment uh, that Jesus showed through several things. One is having compassion, which is suffering with, coming alongside as a fellow servant, uh, more like a wounded healer as opposed to somebody who has all the answers and uh, mm. uh, is reaching down. Um, Mark 634, Jesus saw large crowds and he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. Mm. And so he began teaching them many things. Uh, that's, you know, what doctor means is teacher primarily. Um, so having compassion through the, at, of the crowds, either in a public health setting or also individuals or sparrows, if you will, mm. uh, like the woman with the issue of blood in Luke 8, he focused on her need, even though it was not part of his original agenda. Uh, and then seeing patients, uh, part of compassion is seeing patients as Jesus sees them. He says, as, as much as you've done this to the least of these, you've done it to me. So seeing Jesus in other people, seeing the image of God imprinted in them and treating them as redeemable human beings, created beings, is uh, an important part of care. Mm. Now, the other thing I'd say for um, for new graduates, uh, I, I, tr- I teach medical students and res- uh, residents, uh, but uh, is listening. Um, best advice I had in medical school was listen long enough so that the patient will tell you what's wrong with them. <laughs> uh, and many many times when we're rushed in the in the cl- clinic setting, the hospital setting, uh, we don't listen long enough to to to, uh, to find out what's going on. Um, and then this this part of entering the patient's story, their narrative, as I mentioned, appreciating what's redeeming about them and how they've been made in God's image. Mm. And, uh, yet they're marred by the fall, uh, and yet uh, there's the hope of, of healing and the hope of uh, deeper understanding and connection with God. Is there a story that comes to mind where you're not breaking confidence, but you can talk about, maybe even generally, a person that had a sickness and uh, you got you got a chance to administer um, God's grace to that person as well as medicine, and they got better? Well, there was a gentleman that came in that had, was suffering from alcoholism, uh, more of a Vietnam-era guy. He didn't serve in Vietnam, but he was beset by alcoholism. And he asked me uh, specifically to pray for him, hmm. uh, and he, he desired to be released from this issue, and I prayed for him right in my office, which I do often. <laughs> and um, he had, he'd lost all, all desire to drink, and he's been sober since, and that was... That was about uh, eight, eight or nine years ago, and uh, he, he does harken back to the, the time that uh, he had the intention, I had the, the desire, our, our desires to, for healing met, and God's desire for his life met, and, and, uh, and he's, he's much better uh, for it. That's, a, that's beautiful. Mm. Now, as we're talking here, I know that you're very busy, and you're getting emails and calls, and I, I just want to mm-hmm. thank you for taking your time and if you still have more time, could you share some further points in care? Yeah, uh, I think further points in care that uh, would be important for uh, a student or somebody interested in medicine would be to discern. Uh, this uh, It's a spiritual gift of discernment. Uh, to, it's, it's, 
the Ignatian practices, which I've studied at Duke, uh, talk about sifting through and sorting out amid the noise, listening to the, the shepherd's voice and the, the leading of the spirit. Mm. Uh, and that's our way of uh, diagnosing illness, but also understanding the effects of sin, uh, which has wide-reaching effects on humanity, and how um, how important it is to deal with sin uh, because of its effects on our bodies and our minds and our spirits. So that's a point of discernment. How can uh, a doctor fine-tune his or her ability to discern what you're describing? Yeah, part of it is being a praying uh, servant, a praying physician uh, or a nurse or healthcare uh, professional. Uh, so, um, you know, and thinking of it as a sacred moment when you're in, in a patient's room or in the hospital, and those are times when you're uh, sort of actively praying, like Paul said, I pray continually, uh, somehow being in tune with God and, and saying, well, what is what is God teaching me through this encounter? And what do I need to know about this person to, to help them along the way? Um, so, um, you know, that's a, an attitude of prayer, I think. And then um, and just praying for discernment so that we, you know, get the diagnosis right, that we uh, select the treatment right, that we uh, are good stewards of the resources that we've been given that are limited, um, and being able to meet needs, uh, human needs, that are more than just the body, but also uh, uh, touching touching the soul and the spirit, encouragement. Um, the other uh, thing that I would mention to a student would be to, to the importance of touch. Uh, laying out of hands was a, uh, an important thing in the Old Testament, New Testament, as a way of commissioning. Uh, but also I think Jesus touched the lepers uh, at mm -hmm. great expense to himself. Uh, he touched those where uh, the woman with un the issue of blood touched him. So there was a mutual touching, um, and there's power in touch, um, especially those living isolated, lonely lives. I find, uh, so when I, for example, I listen to somebody's heart, I, I have my full hand on their back, mm. and I'm praying at the same time so that they would be blessed, that they mm. would be healed. Um, and it says, I think, touch says, I'm here, and you matter, and, and, and you will get through this, and mm. we'll get through this together. Uh, so that touch is, is an important part of what Jesus practiced. Mm. When I go to the doctor, um, I'll have a, a complaint of some sort, you know, physical. And uh, what helps you as a doctor uh, when the patient comes in just to um, share everything? Or how, what are you looking for from the patient that will help you better diagnose? Um, well, what we need is transparency. And this is a high value in scripture. Uh, being honest with themselves, honest with us. Um, I find that it's a sacred moment in the sense that many people tell me things that they wouldn't tell anybody else. That's the, the, the wonderful aspect of this profession, mm. is that you're, you're there in an intimate uh, setting that people are very transparent with you. But if they're not transparent, if they don't tell me if there's pain or if they're concerned about this or that, then it's, it, it undermines the ability for me to help them. Mm. Um, so I need that from them, and and, I, and also need them to 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 seek God's help in ex exercising uh, restraint, uh, and also exercising you know simple acts of discipline, uh, because they know what's good for them, but yet it's hard to do. That's a common uh, common difficulty with human beings. Um, so those are things that I think help in that relationship. Mm. 
What are some of the most common ailments that you see as a doctor? Um, well, I see, there, so there's pretty much categories of um, mental health, I think, or if you go back far enough, if you go upstream enough to the causes, uh, many of times it's unmet uh, emotional needs from childhood, it's abuse, um, etc. And that has long-standing repercussions sometimes through generations, uh, and people just can't get past themselves um, and need to be redeemed in that way. Mm. So that's a sort of a change of the mind. They need a, a mind change. They need to sort of break out of the web of lies that they've been told uh, and, and find the truth in, in the Scriptures and in Christ um, to be set free from those those things that bind them back. And then and the other is, I think, the, the um, diseases we see now of excess, excess of food, excess of alcohol, drugs, uh, uh, sexual uh, promiscuity, those are... Those have uh, widespread uh, effects on health, and, and um, so this whole idea of, like I mentioned, discipline, restraint, uh, you know, is uh, some something of a solution for that. Yeah, I can relate to the food. I struggle to uh, lose weight, and um, mm-hmm. I notice that uh, if I'm really honest with myself, I my mind says, "Okay, you've had enough." And then I, I say, well, I want one more bite. <laughs> so uh, that discipline is a big factor, at least for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, I think uh, teaching people that the stewardship of their bodies um, and the importance of that integrity of body, mind, soul, and spirit, and that God wants healing in all those areas. The other thing that Jesus taught us, I think, is from Proverbs sixteen twenty four. Uh, the, the writer writes, pleasant words or affirmation are sweet to the soul and health to the bones. Mm. And, uh, you know, God spoke the creation in, in, with words um, in Genesis 1, and, and uh, in a sense we recreate health and well-being uh, through, through the words we speak, the words of affirmation and blessing. Mm. Uh, good news in, in, in Proverbs 15:30, uh, the Hebrew word is shuamua, uh, which is uh, good tidings, or, or the gospel is health to the bones. Mm. And wise speech and pleasant words bring healing, Proverbs uh, twelve eighteen. just as the Father's words bring life and health in Proverbs four twenty two. Um, so we can see that, um, you know, words are important, and that Jesus' Galilean ministry uh, was about teaching and preaching, but also healing in Matthew 4. So he integrated all those, uh, those things. Yeah. As we close, you're the managing editor for the Christian Journal for Global Health. Mm-hmm. If someone would like to read that or read more, where where could they go to to, to do that? That's an open access uh, scholarly journal on global health from a Christian perspective. Uh, it's interdisciplinary, so there, um, there's plenty of uh, articles to search, uh, and it doesn't cost anything. The URL would be uh, journal.cjgh.org, and uh, yeah, we've I've uh, got plenty of articles there. Well, that's beautiful. We'll we'll list that on our website also when mm-hmm. um, this this program airs. And if anyone would like to um, visit Doctor O'Neill, are you taking on new patients? <laughs> uh, I am. I'm fairly busy, but uh, I still am. <laughs> <laughs> and you, practices and in Putnam, Connecticut. Putnam, Connecticut. So there, it sounds like mm-hmm. a great doctor, and I could really relate when you talked about the the touch. Uh, we have a doctor who attends our church and every time I stop and I talk with this guy uh, the love of Jesus comes through 
and he grabs my arm and just touches or holds my arm. And I think it just comes natural for him as a Christian doctor. And the, the touch, the, the touch and love of Christ really comes through. That that really is a wonderful thing that you've shared, Dr. O'Neill. Thank you. Thank you for joining us today. I really appreciate sure. it. Appreciate the time. And thank you very much, Dan. Hope's your blessing on your ministry. And dear listener, please join us next week for another edition of A Plain Answer. stories But they all sound too good to be true You've heard about a place called home But there doesn't seem to be one for you So one more night you cry yourself to sleep love